Hello and welcome to Bite Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Today, we're going to be taking a break from our ongoing series on the First World War, the Great War, um, to talk about something completely different. Um, one of the things I'd like to do on this podcast is kind of shake things up uh, every now and then, but not to be restricted to a certain place or people or time period. So we're going to talk about the Crusades. And I'm going to start by giving kind of a brief outline of uh, what the Crusades were, uh, generally kind of why they and when they started and when they ended. And and we're going to look at um, army composition and tactics during the Crusades, uh, but I'm going to split it into two halves. So the first half is going to be the Christian forces, and then there's going to be the Muslim forces. Um, Christian forces, you know, I'm kind of labeling them by religion because indeed that this was a war of religion and maybe it helps um but christian forces um you know obviously they were europeans mostly franks or frankish people uh the franks were from the lands that are now called france um formerly it was the roman province of gaul the muslim forces that fought against them were often called saracens um, even though, yeah, Saracen was kind of a catch-all term for the people that were opposing them. Sometimes they would call them Turks, uh, or Mohammedans, which is interesting, you know, like followers of Muhammad. But, um, anyway, let's get started. Let's uh, kick things off now with a brief outline of, well, what were the Crusades? The Crusades uh, were a series of wars fought between Christians and Muslims in the Middle East. They occurred during the medieval period, um, the Middle Ages, um, which is the time period, generally speaking, between the Dark Ages and the Renaissance. The Dark Ages being those few centuries after the fall of the Roman Empire, stuff like that. A lot of modern historians lump the Dark Ages in with the Middle Ages. Um, so it's, you know, there's not this universal agreement as to when that is. But um, if, it, if it helps in your mind, you know, the Roman Empire in the West collapsed at the end of the 5th century um, CE, Common Era. And so kind of that period all the way to the Renaissance, which took hold in, you know, the 1500s, i.e. the 16th century in the city-states of Italy, that period is generally considered to be the Middle Ages. So people who fought in the Crusades did so for a variety of political, economic, and religious reasons. Political reasons, um, a lot of historians have often speculated that the Crusades were a way for the Catholic Church to channel all of the incessant warfare of these European nobles outwards towards an external source, thereby unifying the kingdoms and solidifying church power. So that's kind of one theory, maybe keep in your mind. Uh, Crusaders often went for economic reasons. This is the classic um, second son theory. Uh, 
there's a number of historians who, during the uh, primogeniture rules of the period, which is basically, okay, you're an old noble, male, obviously, uh, who's going to inherit your lands? Well, it's going to be your first son. But nobles often had second, third, fourth sons. Um, some of them joined the church, uh, became powerful in the clergy. But there was always this, this challenge for the, the later sons to kind of prove themselves and get their own money and their own land. And this may have encouraged some of them to seek treasure and plunder uh, in the Middle East. Finally, a lot of the Crusaders went to war for religious reasons. It's interesting when you look at medieval maps of this area and you'll see Jerusalem at the center of the world. And it really, literally, truly, for a lot of these people, they saw it as the intersection of heaven and earth. And the Pope and a lot of the high-ranking clergy in the Catholic Church declared that if you fought for the Lord, you know, if you if you put on the cross and the sword, um, your sins would be forgiven. So by fighting and taking Jerusalem, you could literally fight your way into the kingdom of heaven. So that so that is just very interesting. Like, oh, all my sins will be forgiven. So there were. Uh, men and women in the crusading armies who were, you know, sinners and criminals and people looking for a fresh start. And they, and they really thought that um, this crusade would give them that. The crusades began in 1095 CE. So again, common era. Um, older historical books will say BC and AD. So before Christ and Anno Domini, uh, which is Latin for year of our Lord. Uh, modern historical scholarship has switched that away from its religious connotations to BCE, before Common Era, and CE, Common Era. So I, I like I apologize if this sounds really basic, um, but there's a lot of people out there who, who may not know this. I don't know. So the Crusades began in 1095 CE when Pope Urban II called for a crusade on a hilltop in Clermont, France. He had been asked for help by the Byzantine emperor, who was fighting Muslim armies. Remember how I said the Roman Empire collapsed uh, in the fifth century in the West? I was very—I'm very careful to specify in the West. It means that Rome basically fell. Well, up until that point, there had been another huge city and center of Roman power in the East, in Constantinople, named after Emperor Constantine. There was a certain point in the life of the Roman Empire when they realized that governing the empire was too much for one man. So it was kind of split and you had the Eastern and the Western Roman Empire. Generally speaking, the uh, culture, <clears throat> sorry, the culture of the Western Roman Empire was Latin. Um, and in fact, that was the language of their liturgy, of the Roman Catholic Church. There had been a schism in the early uh, to mid-11th century where the eastern part of the church, um, their culture was much more Greek, and that was the language of their liturgy, their uh, sermons or masses or religious services, and they had split away and formed their own church, which is now called the Orthodox Church. Uh, it's just interesting that when this crusade started, that, that split was actually still pretty recent. But in any case, Christian armies from Europe, uh, you know, 
flocked to the banners and there were actually different armies um, initially before the nobles even got their their armies prepared their levies there were these peasant crusades led by these you know shoeless uh, penitent preachers that would rally the townsfolk and go off to war um, one of them is very famous it's called the peasants crusade eventually christian forces took jerusalem in 1099 ce and carved out small kingdoms in the area they remained in the Middle East until 1291 CE, when the city of Acre, or I've also heard it say Acre, fell to Muslim forces. It was the last major Christian fortress to be captured, and is generally considered to be the end of the Crusades. Let's begin with the Christian forces. Christian armies were usually an agglomeration of noble levies, royal forces, and mercenaries. The word levy um, means when a noble would press his peasants into military service, so you would raise the levies. Um, for example, if a lord in France, uh, like a duke or a baron, decided to heed the pope's call, he drafted his peasants and summoned his knights, who were nobles of a lower rank. And that's kind of how feudalism worked. Feudalism was the dominant uh, socio-political structure of medieval Europe. It was based on a, a series of obligations that different people of different social classes had to each other. So nobles uh, had to fight on command for nobles of a higher rank. Peasants had to till the land and grow the crops and give a portion of their crops to their noble lords and also to the church. This was called a tithe, which may or may not be, I can't remember, be related to the word tenth because oftentimes the portion of your crops uh, or your income that would go to the church was a tenth of your income. In any case, let's say this noble, uh, a duke or a baron again, he joined with the armies of other lords under the leadership of a higher lord or the king. Along the way, they might hire some mercenaries. Um, mercenaries were, were very useful, uh, very expensive, although often their loyalty was questioned uh, by a lot of people. You know, well, these people are fighting for gold. But the fact remains that mercenaries, people who fought for a living, were often much better soldiers than people who did not fight for a living. So it was it was worth it getting them, especially for the following reason. Mercenaries with rare skills or weapons, um, like siege engineers or crossbowmen, were especially valuable. Merchants, clergymen, and servants also accompanied these forces. Because all of Europe was Catholic at this point, and all nobles were loyal to the Pope, at least in theory, a crusading army could have soldiers from any number of kingdoms, including France, England, Castile, uh, Aragon, or the German states. Castile and Aragon were medieval kingdoms that are located in what is now Spain. Crusader armies were made up of peasants and knights. Peasants fought on foot with cheap weapons and armor. They might fight with uh, pole arms, uh, like spears or glaives, 
uh, or axes or clubs even. Their armor, if they had any, was usually padded cloth uh, or leather. Uh, and when I say leather, I don't mean like soft, uh, like the like soft leather that you would get in like modern gloves. Uh, what they would do is they would take leather and then boil it in uh, either water or oil to harden it. So you would get these like hard leather plates. Sometimes they carried uh, shields. Peasants were also used extensively as missile troops and uh, armed with bows, crossbows, or <laughs> even slings. You know, that, that ancient weapon of the Bible. Knights usually fought on horseback, uh, although foot knights did exist. They had lances, swords, shields, and occasionally maces, war hammers, and axes. They usually had metal armor like chainmail, uh, and their horses sometimes had barding. So what is bard? Barding was basically just armor for horses. Crusader forces could also have mercenaries, light cavalry, siege weapons, uh, and local scouts. Um, despite the fact that this area that they were invading was dominated by Muslim lords, there still were substantial Christian minorities in the area. Um, there were also knightly orders like the Templars or the Hospitallers or the Hospitaliers that fought in the Crusades. These were um, elite orders of knights. Originally, um, I think they started more as kind of social uh, groups, uh, charities, they you know hospitals, stuff like that. But as the Crusades went on, they became just these elite uh, soldiers. And now for the Muslim forces. These armies were somewhat similar to the Christian ones. Infantry were feudal peasants, drafted into combat and armed with spears, bows, and round shields. Many of them came from Muslim strongholds like Aleppo, Damascus, Mosul, Baghdad, and Amman. And just for reference, uh, where are these places in the modern world? Aleppo and Damascus are in Syria. Mosul and Baghdad are in Iraq, and Amman is in Jordan. Muslim cavalry were often light lancers or mounted archers. They fought with swords, bows, and lances. Their swords were usually curved and designed for slashing instead of piercing or chopping, uh, like the European swords. They were called scimitars or shamshirs. Some cavalry were knights sworn to protect a lord, and uh, their armor was made from... Uh, it, was, it was different than the uh, chainmail worn by European knights. It was made of overlapping rows of small plates that were made uh, of iron or hard uh, leather, like that boiled leather I mentioned earlier. Muslim soldiers often wore lighter clothing and were accustomed to fighting in the hot, dry climate of the Middle East. And this came up time and time again when the two forces would clash. Many times the heavily armored uh, European knights, they would just become exhausted baking in the sun in their chainmail and their poor horses as well. Um, and some historians have speculated that may have been one of the reasons why they started putting these white cloth tunics 
uh, white with the red cross over their armor. It it wasn't just to be to declare to the world, hey, I'm a soldier for Christ. It's they speculate it may have been a way to keep the sun uh, off their metal armor. So that's interesting to think about. Now that we've looked at the nature, the composition, the origin of these two warring armies, how did they fight each other? Christian armies typically used peasant soldiers to fire arrows, absorb casualties, screen movement, and hold ground while the knights moved into position. The knights were the deciding factor in many battles, as the shock of their charge was absolutely devastating, and it was very difficult to resist. If the charge did not break the enemy, the knights would either settle into protracted combat or break away or attempt to break away to set up another one of these thundering charges. Muslim forces, on the other hand, they made great use of mounted archers, and it took a great deal of uh, talent and skill to be able to fight this way as a mounted archer. They would move around Christian forces and constantly pepper them with arrows. Eastern armies had been using soldiers in this way since at least the time of the Romans. Uh, one of the chief Roman um, enemies in the East were the Parthians. And there's still to this day a saying in the English language called the Parthian shot. It's now used to refer to a conversation. And as you're leaving, you just say something uh, like a barb at the other person and then you leave. And it's called the Parthian shot because that's what uh, the Romans would do. That They'd be fighting the Parthians on these open plains. And then the Parthians on their horses would break away. But as they were riding away, they would turn backwards in their saddle and fire an arrow at the pursuing Romans. So it was called a Parthian shot. Anyway, I thought you might find that interesting. The Muslim forces also used mass cavalry charges as a way to break the enemy's morale. Sometimes they would try to fight battles far from water sources or in the middle of the day to exhaust and dehydrate the Christian armies um, who, uh, like I said, often these knights would be wearing heavy armor uh, or especially if they had recently arrived from, from Europe, um, they just did not know how to fight in that climate. Sieges uh, were long grinding affairs. Uh, cities had to be cut off from supplies, bombarded by war machines, or even have their wells poisoned. But once taken, a castle or city uh, projected a wide radius of power over the surrounding countryside. Um, the reason why they fought this way is because it was just easier to surround them, cut them off, and wait them out than it was to try to effect a costly assault. Uh, you know, when you have these guys and your best weapons are swords <laughs> and you're assaulting this fortress with stone walls and in this uh, circumstance, the defenders have all the advantages. They can pour hot oil on you. They can set you on fire. They can shoot you uh, from slits in the castle walls that were often called loopholes or even murder holes. Uh, you know, how charming does that sound? Um, they would drop rocks on you, just any number of things. Like, it was very difficult to physically assault a castle. So that's why they would do these things called sieges. 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. I wanted to kind of keep it short and sweet, just give you a brief overview of armies and tactics during the Crusades. So uh, who knows? Hopefully (laughs) you learned something. I want to thank you so much for listening. And um, this has been Bite Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast and interesting. I was Nick, your host.